You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Uh, I have Mary with me today from Lakeview Lavender Farm. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to talk about what it takes to grow lavender in Oklahoma. I don't have a green thumb and I'm terrible in the garden, uh, as I'm sure some others are as well listening. But thanks for for coming on the podcast. Uh, And I guess before we start talking about the business, where are you guys located right now? Uh, We're located about three and a half miles southwest of Falls Valley, Oklahoma. And it's easy to find, relatively easy. We should be able to GPS. Um, we're open by appointment right now because lavender's already past bloom. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And, and for people listening, I'll, I'll put the Facebook uh, page link in the description so they can go and look at that. Um, okay. How, so, so tell me about yourself. Were you born and raised in Oklahoma? Yes, Northwest Oklahoma. Um, my husband and I are on the, north end of when anyone should be starting a business or doing anything. But we grew up in wheat country. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us became teachers and we traveled to several different states, to Florida and Kansas and Arizona for several years. And then we came back here to Paul's Valley and finished out our, our uh, teaching career. And then um, we tried farming again in Northwest Oklahoma, wheat farming, and that was not very productive. <laughs> so, so we came back down here. Bill went back to work in the school, and I had a friend, and uh, we uh, started a pound cake business, and we shipped pound cakes all over the United States. So wow. we did that for a while, and that's a lot of work, too. Uh, and so then we quit doing that and uh, sold that. And so um, we had always had a farming operation of some kind. And when we bought this 20 acres, we researched trying to figure out what we wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my husband said, well, he said, you find something and we'll try to do it. So I I got to looking and I found lavender and I tried some cooking with lavender. So I thought, well, let's try that. So that was how it started. So Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's there's so many things to talk about. There's such a kind of a long kind of journey and story. And (laughs) that's what I said. We were we were on the north side. (laughs) We should start something. (laughs) Right. How do you how do you get in? How do you get into teaching? Uh, It was just the usual thing to do. I'm old enough that when I grew up, that was pretty much what women did. And then my husband didn't start school till um, about the time I graduated. And so for him, I had a degree in English and uh, he had a degree in uh, elementary education. And at that time, and I suppose now, too, you could go about anywhere. So first thing we did, of course, we went to school at Northwestern in Albany, got our teaching certificates. We um, we moved to uh, Florida, <clears throat> not very long for six months. But when we went down there, we uh, had some friends and they worked at a training center. And it was for, it was called Sunland Training Centers, and they were for handicapped students. Mm-hmm. 
And we had never worked with handicapped students, but they needed teachers, so they hired us. So that was a learning experience. (laughs) But then we moved back to Kansas, not very far from where our parents lived. And then we moved to Arizona for six years. And that was an interesting experience, too. We, um, We taught on the edge of the Navajo Reservation, and most of our kids' students were Navajo. And so we learned quite a bit during that six years, got our master's degree in Flagstaff in Northern Arizona University in special ed. So we came back to Pulse Valley and we bought a place and the people who we bought it from just happened to work at the Pulse Valley State School at that time. Southern Oklahoma Resources Center is what it was called. And so we worked with handicapped students then for the rest of our career. And Yeah, then we just keep busy. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt that's really special. And I know there's a lot of people listening uh, that share, you know, the fact that teaching in Oklahoma is not the easiest thing, or teaching anywhere really isn't the easiest thing. And and you know, we all appreciate our teachers. And you know, when you're in school, and you know, everyone remembers their teachers and you know, the good and the bad and the ones that kind of impacted their lives. So I'm that's sure everyone right. else appreciates you as well. That's uh, <laughs> really cool. Um, so tell me about the pound cake stuff. How was it? Was cooking okay. kind of something you you just naturally took to? Well, we, uh, my friend and I, she was a retired teacher also, and so we both liked to cook. And so we, uh, there was a a woman um, who lived by Empire City in southern Oklahoma who used to make pound cakes, just just plain pound cakes, and she shipped them for birthdays. and And she was in Bon Appetit, so. The magazine. So I had ordered one from her one time and they were absolutely delicious. So we went over and talked to her. So she was retiring. And so she she told us, she said, you know, well, I'll give you my recipes. And she said, you um, just good luck to you. You know, so we came back to Elmore City, Oklahoma, and we uh, just started and put a website up. Uh, my friend had a daughter who was who could do the websites. And so she put the website up and so we started, you know, we were just there. And so one day we get a call from uh, um, the Scripps, Script Network, I believe it is, anyway, or was, it still is, I think. But anyway, they were responsible for food finds. And come to find out, the lady that we had gotten the recipes from was also, had been in food finds at one time. And so they were getting ready to renew their they wanted to review it. It had been 10 years or so. And so she told us, she said, well, you just go ahead and do it. She said, I'll just send your name. And so that's how we got there. It got the phone call. And she wanted to know if we were close to, if we were located on Route 66. And I said, well, no, not quite. <laughs> but she said, well, if you can, you can find a place on Route 66, she said, that will sell your products. We'll come and um, we'll put you on the show. Yeah. We're going to do a Christmas show. And so we said, oh, wow. So we drive up and down, find some place in Sepulpa that would put them in there. And then she calls us back about that time and says, no, we're going to come to Elmore City and film it. Well, we were in the on the, a little sandwich shop, an old sandwich shop that was on the end of the laundromat in Elmore City. So we <laughs> we scrambled, but we got it all done and they put us on a Christmas show. So she said, now. You need to know that when this airs, you will be very busy, she said. And, you know, we were just making a few a day or so on. We weren't, you know. And so sure enough, they showed that show. And I mean, it was just nonstop. That was about the middle of November, I think, that year. And so we made pound cakes and we made uh, toppings to go on them. And so um, 
we enjoyed that a lot, but oh, it was a lot of work and to ship them everywhere, you know. So, and we had employees and a crew. And so my partner decided she was kind of tired of it. So I bought her out and we, um, I kept on doing it. But then my father was really ill and my mother had just died. So we just, I sold it too. So that was the end of that. But it was a lot of work. We did that for about five years. Yeah. And so. Anyway, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, no doubt. It was a great time. And, and like you said, you know, kind of after that, that t- TV show goes out, right? Kind of just before yeah. Christmas. And then the orders and the phone starts ringing and then you ship. It was all really. Yeah, mm-hmm. super exciting. So yeah. so, the, so the lavender stuff, then you come to Paul's Valley and you buy, you're on 20 acres, is that right? 20 acres, uh-huh. And it has a pond and uh, behind it, a really pretty pond. And so... Um, and then it had grass, just, you know, just regular native grass. And so we, for, I don't know, for several years, we, we, uh, I see we we're going on our 14th year here, I guess. And, uh, for about five or six years, we sold it to people. People would come in and, and uh, mow it and bale it for hay, grass hay. And so we got, they got so big and we got so small and they didn't really need it. So they didn't really want to do it anymore. So my husband said, well, you research stuff and you find something we can grow here and, and we'll do it. I said, okay. So <laughs> unfortunately I did. So I, we found lavender. I looked and I thought, well, this is something nobody really grows much in Oklahoma. And I found two lavender farms. One of them had already closed by Shawnee and then one in Apache, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So we went there and visited. And uh, of course we bought some books and read and did a, stuff like that to try to figure out what you did with it. But we still didn't really understand all that you really needed to do. And so we, uh, we bought some cuttings from them and, uh, they, uh, we immediately drowned them. So that was pretty much it. <laughs> That's the one thing we learned very quickly was you don't put a lot of water on lavender. And so we, we had, we still have only one row of original plants that we started with. Um, and they got bitten pretty hard this year by, um, the winter's, the cold winter spell that we had, um, several of our lavenders didn't do too well. We have eight different varieties, and we're trying to figure out which ones will grow best for us. And we started in 2000, actually 16, but we didn't really plant anything till 2017. So um, we've narrowed it. We have about 800 plants now. After the first couple of years, we bought first couple of years we bought cuttings from. Uh, the Apache place, and then we went to uh, Kansas. The, um, there is an uh, United States Lavender Growers Association, and the man in Salina, Kansas, had he was the president of that. So we went up to see his farm and visited with him. And there was another little farm at Canopolis, Kansas, that had cuttings and raised them. So we bought our cuttings from him, and um, we planted them here. And so we decided, well, if we had a little greenhouse, maybe we could do our own cuttings. It's the ones that would grow would probably grow better if they came from our plants, which had already survived here. So we did that. We built a little greenhouse. And um, so we can put about 600 plants in it, cuttings in it. And uh, it's not a huge place, but it's big enough for what we need to do. Um, My husband's 81. And I'm not much younger. So we decided we would stop. We got about 800 plants and we've come down to about two, but we're going to kind of watch the others. But there are so many different kinds of there's a, 
over 400 kinds of lavender. Wow. And there's about every color under the sun that you can imagine. But we have found most people like lavender, lavender, <laughs> because that's what it is. Then um, the um, we've had something called white Provence, and it's been really pretty, but this winter pretty well did it in. We had quite a few, but they, they did not really make it. So we're figuring that out. We've had one variety we planted that did not bloom. It'll send up three or four uh, stalks or bloom stalks a year. So I had a pretty pretty plant, but there was, <laughs> was no lavender blooming. So we're getting rid of those. We've gotten rid of part of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But we have a Buena Vista plant and a Dilly Dilly that we're really kind of keying in on. And that's probably the two we'll keep. Yeah. Um, so. That's cool. So, so you, like you said, you, you kind of, you know, you, you make mistakes and you figure it out. And, you know, like so you drown the first few and, and kind of right. go from there and realize that they don't need that much water. Uh, no, and they need to be well-drained. The soil needs to be well-drained. Um, and so we have very thick gummy clay <laughs> clays. It's actually called sandy loam, but it's really sticky. And so um, you can, we have to amend our soil. So what you do is what we do is, and I would advise everybody to, if they're going to plant one in their garden, be you have to raise your bed. Um, we just mounded them up. We have about, I don't know, eight, eight to 18 or 20 plants in a row, depending on where we are. So they need good drainage. So we laid it out according to the lay of our land, pretty much. So we have fields. We have about four different fields. And... Um, you need to, for our soil, we added pea gravel and sand, and we also added bone meal and lime uh, for each plant that we put in. So, uh, and it's hands-on. You do it hands and knees. There's no other way to do it. So, unless you can buy, you're a big one, and you can buy, you know, someone large who can buy um, big equipment. They do have equipment for the big lavender farms, but um, most of it's pretty expensive and, you know, we're just doing this. So we're, we're just, we didn't want to borrow any money. Uh, So we're just trying to make it, you know, make it work. (laughs) But anyway, we have about 800 plants. We've opened it up to agritourism, which has been a great deal. They're very helpful and I would just recommend them anywhere. Um, Our technology center at Wayne has been very helpful for us too. Um, We've just, they've helped us tremendously and they get us publicity and, you know, whatever, because we have not really advertised hardly at all. So we also have, um, we have rosemary and we have Russian sage. And then in the places we don't have, we try to make it attractive. We've had daylilies from a friend of mine. And then we have wildflowers beyond that, too. And so um, it's been, you know, it looks pretty this time of year. And the lavender plants really stay green, kind of gray green during the winter. They go dormant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, then there's pruning and all that kind of stuff that you need to do with it. But it's very interesting. I'm sure it is. I, it's, it sounds like a lot of work as well. <laughs> it is. I always seem to think of stuff that takes a lot of work. So, but. I think we're, we're about where we are. We're not going to plant anymore. We are out planting this morning, but we're just replanting some of the, or really planting some of the cuttings that we didn't sell this year. And we sold almost all of them. So we just have a row out here. We're going to plant, yeah. hate to see them go to waste. So, and then we'll, we'll keep doing the cuttings. And actually there've been a, you know, there've been a couple of other people who uh, have asked just this year and come over and visited with us about starting lavender farms so and they're young people, so I'm I'm 
I'm guessing that they're going to do well. You know, that they'll just follow it. They have enough land. They have their soil is different than ours. It's sandy. So that should work very well. You know, they shouldn't have to do many amendments to their soil. Um, of course, the weather in Oklahoma is always one thing. You know, if you have four or five weeks of rain, like we had that too, you know, <laughs> it, it just uh, it makes a difference. So, yeah. And the different varieties are hardier than others. So, Right. And, and, and you said it's kind of at the moment, it's by appointment only. Um, and people can they come out on tours to take you mentioned wildlife you know it looks beautiful so people take photos yeah. and stuff too yes it's it's very picturesque and uh, we uh, we've had people request things like we had an old tractor for a while and people actually a lot of people want to take their picture on the tractor <laughs> so that's pretty unusual seemed funny to us anyway but we've had a lot of pictures we've had a couple of professional photographers come out and take pictures and uh, this year last year was we had a lot of people who came because they just wanted to be outside. You know, everybody was masked up and you couldn't get out and really get in. Yeah. Um, but, and we do have a shop and we're trying to make products. That's, that's what our goal is, particularly at this point. Um, it's very difficult to find anyone who wants to actually get out and work. Mm-hmm. We have found that. And I know at this, it's hard for everybody to hire somebody right now. It seems like but. Right. Um, we have, we have had a few people who've helped us out, so um, and it has helped quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of uh, weeding, and, you know, if you want to grow your lavender to be culinary to use in cooking, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't do that. Uh, we also cannot be organic because we have farmers all around us to spray, so that's just a given. Uh, it's And we're not worried about that. But for our products right now, we order organic oil. To make what we make, we have about oh, about twenty five different uh, products that we make, and so we we use that oil. Uh, we use our lavender if we use the dried lavender, and uh, so and that's one reason we picked those two varieties. Buena Vista is a great culinary one. It also dries well with lots of color, and the dilly dilly is a long stemmed one, which is really pretty, and you can use it for crafts or whatever. And it's also culinary, but we're going to use it for other things. So we have this last year, we purchased a still. So we're going to distill our own oil this year, but that's kind of a process. We've done one batch and we did it with last year's um, lavender. So, and we came out with, when you distill the oil, you get oil and then you get the water, some of the water that comes off of it also retains some of the oil and that's called hydrosol. So we, um, the first, first thing that we did, um, we got 52 ounces of hydrosol out of it and we got 50 milliliters of oil. So you don't get a lot of oil out of it. And so it's, it's, but it's very fascinating to watch. And the still we ordered from actually came, we ordered it from a Washington state company, but they order it from Portugal Mm -hmm. and it's a hand hammered copper and the family's been doing it for over 2000 years. So they make them that way. And, and it's really, it's fascinating, you know, it's really interesting, but it's kind of a process too, to learn. So we're trying to figure out exactly how to do that the right way. And then we'll have our own oil. So, um, and we think that will be more profitable. (laughs) No no doubt. And and, I mean, it's always great, right. To, to have products. I'm sure you have people coming to you with ideas, you know, why don't you do this one and this one? And, you know, there's only so much work you can do, but that's true. uh, what are the products that you have right now? 
Well, we I make a cake, a pound cake, a lavender lemon pound cake. Um, I don't have a, a commercial kitchen, but I can do it as a home baker. And uh, then we have a little shop we've been working on for about two years in our garage. When we built our house here, first built our house here, we had we lived in that side of the garage until we got the house built. Yeah. And so um, we've we've fixed it up with the help of some other people. And it's it's very um, I wouldn't call it, it's rustic, kind of rustic, shabby, chic or something. <laughs> but we have a lot of uh, old antique stuff that we had, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, but our I also make some um, lavender lemon shortbread cookies, which are very good. And then I sell the culinary lavender, which I can do. The Home Baking Act limits you to certain things that you can sell. So right now. And so we have the culinary lavender we can sell because it's an agricultural product like wheat or something else. And so we sell that. And then I have recipes. So um, and I usually serve people when they come uh, during this time of year, lavender lemonade. And it's really, really good, (laughs) especially when it's so hot outside. So I make a simple syrup to do that, but I can't really sell that either. But uh, and then for the things that I I make that are other than that are um, we have uh, body butter. <laughs> we have lotions and foaming soap and soaps, of course, yeah. bath oil, beard oil. Uh, we've experimented with that a little bit. My husband has beard, always has had. So um, and then we have you know just regular oil that we buy. And we sell that too. We bottle it, rebottle it, and sell. We've got some relaxation for massage oil and a massage oil lotion. Um, my husband also is kind of a painter, and so he's hand painted some mugs. So we have some mugs with lavender on them. They're very pretty, I think. And we have sachets and lip balm and smudge sticks and uh, yeah. room sprays. That's really cool. That's such a variety of products. And I think people, you know, that when, when you think of it, lavender can pretty much go into anything, can't it? So it's it can, it can. And we try to use all the lavender after uh, my son fixed this a from the internet, he looked at a little machine to when the lavender dries to get it off of the, the buds off the end, which is what you cook with, and also what I make sachets with. Well then you come up with the, the stems if you don't use them. And so we make smudge sticks out of them. We use some of our sage out here and put it also with it most of the time. Yeah. And then um, we do, um, we just have bundles of the dried stems for fire starters and you can put them. One of the properties of lavender is that it's supposed to keep away mosquitoes or helps keep away. So if you've got a fire pit outside or something that you want to use, you can stick that in there. And supposedly, you know, we have not really tried it for that, but yeah. But uh, we put some in the fireplace here. We have a fireplace in our house. So uh, and and they work really well, you know, and they do smoke and they're kind of gives a little different, little different uh, variety to your fire, I guess. <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's good. That's really cool. Um, well, I mean, it, it sounds like you have a lot going on. Uh, it sounds like every day is different. You're very busy. Uh, but you know, like I said, hopefully this will help and, and people can come out and, and reach out to the Facebook page and the contact information. And also I'll link to the agro-tourism website that, that they have a page okay. as well, which is really cool. Cause you, the, the farm is part of the ripe and ready trail that, that, that they've kind of developed and, uh, it's re- and, and they do amazing things for, for businesses like yourself. They really do. They are, they're really good. I have been really pleased with them. Um, we've just, you know, they just have helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, 
I'm, you know, I would recommend them to anyone who wants to try anything in the agriculture business like that. And uh, and hopefully people come out, they can take a tour, they can buy some products, have a picnic, take some photos, see the beautiful world. Right. We have two brand new picnic tables. So, yeah. awesome. <laughs> so we have that done. So we, they're, they're welcome to do that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to share, share some stories. And, and like I said, hopefully I'll make it down sometime. And when I do, I'll reach out and uh, come take some photos. You need to do that. You certainly do. I need to try that pound cake. Right, now that yeah, I, well, I'll serve you some of that if you can. Let me know ahead of time. Okay. Will, definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Right. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it too. All right. Bye. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agro-Tourism for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agro-Tourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.